Hey, do you guys uh, want to hear a dad joke? More than anything. Fantastic. <laughs> Have you heard of the dyslexic agnostic insomniac? No. No. He stayed up wondering. Uh, here, let me start that. Out. I'm going to do that over again. <laughs> I, I don't think we hey, should edit it. Yeah. Hey, do you guys want to hear a dad joke? I do. Yep. Have you heard of the dyslexic agnostic insomniac? Name Ken Noll? No. No. He stayed up all night wondering if there was a dog. Wondering silence. Dog. dog. Get it? This yeah. Dog. dog instead of God. Oh, is it a yeah. God? Yeah. Mm. Gosh. Man, y'all are stupid. <laughs> Everybody else got that joke. I don't think my college education is high enough for that right. joke. I don't know. Well, all yeah, two people not. who are all two people who are still listening to this after that joke both got it. <laughs> all right. Well, welcome everybody to the Never Going Pro podcast by Dads Inside Riding Trainers, where the jokes suck. We're featuring GC Coaching. <laughs> This is a podcast about riding bikes and parenthood and trying really, really hard at both. I'm your host, Ken the Badger Nowell, and with me is Shane Gaffney, owner of GC Coaching. Hello. And Chris Gorney, fellow dirt teammate, passionate cyclist, and outstanding dad. How's it going, everybody? So let's take a few minutes to catch up. How's everybody doing this week? Well, my family moved to California in the last 10 days, so I'm sitting in a garage surrounded by a boxed-up grill, my bike on a trainer, and like 3,200 diapers. So it's wow. probably the best soundproofing room I've ever had for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's pretty good. Yeah, but other than that, we're doing really well. If it turns out I can uh, bike commute to my job here pretty easily, and that has made the transition pretty fun. So we're doing great. Very cool. Now you're, you're, you're in your Zwift headquarters now, right? Right. Man, I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm just a spy. That's This is my goal. So I'm like four blocks from Zwift headquarters and I'm just going to slowly work my way in. We're going to get all the inside scoop. Fantastic. How about Shane? He said he's getting a new driveway put in, in his house. I am. Yeah. Driveway is 30 years old and it's New Hampshire winter. So it has many, many frost heaves and bumps and looks pretty jagged. So Get a new one today, which is great. So you may hear some machinery and equipment on my end, but I'll do my best to edit and re edit it out and post. Is, is your driveway um, is your driveway an anthropomorphism for you, who you are? Yes, many New Hampshire winters. <laughs> it's about it's about bugs. thirty years old. <laughs> 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 about thirty years old, a lot of jagged edges, a lot of yep. cracks. Yep. <laughs> not so much frost he uh frost heaving been replaced with dry heaving not so much frost heaving yeah yeah it's pretty soon though frost heaving yeah. frost yeah. heaving is a great band name by the way frost heaving it is a great it, band name i would love it that would be and you know what a lot of southerners don't even know what it is it's basically when the ground freezes underneath concrete and lifts it up and drops it back down but usually not evenly and it cracks it nope all gross can i so can yeah I, man can i can get it ready for okay. winter up here Moving, moving out here to California. So I grew up in the prairie. So like, I feel like I was raised to be this like tough, hardy man with weather and all these things. And I'm moving out here to California and it's 75 degrees and people are walking around in sweatshirts. And <laughs> I have this like deep fear that I'm going to become one of them. Yeah. I, you'll get softer for that's sure. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, man. for sure. I was on a ride the other day and it was 68 degrees and I saw people in full tights and like, like a face mask. And I'm like, soft. 
I know. I'm like really afraid. I'm going to have to like figure out like how to step into the freezer or something or punish myself. So anyway, that's full you confession. You to Belgium. I know. Well, I just both full confessed to fear and insulted like all of Southern California at the same time. <laughs> that's okay. That's a pretty small cycling community down there. So I'm sure nobody's listening. You know, it's yeah, fine. we should be fun. Yeah. Yesterday. So- <laughs> hey, yesterday we're on a walk and I like know no one to bike with here. And we're like half a block from our house and it's, it's dark out. And I see this guy who again, hopefully doesn't listen to this. And he, uh, is working on a bike on a bike rack in his garage. And I'd look at my wife and I go, Oh my God, he, there's, there's my people. He's, he's one of us. And I said, I'm just, I'm going to go over and talk to him. My wife goes, no, don't do it. Leave him alone. And I just charge <laughs> into his, into his garage and say, Hey, <laughs> can we talk about biking? And, uh, turns out he's an awesome guy. As a part of the cycling community, he had like 30 kits on a rack in his garage and like six bikes. And it was clear his garage was for bikes, not cars. And so I think I found mm-hmm. my entrance into the community. Um, and uh, so it just, it just shows you, you know, bike people are good people. You can just I'll tell you, man, a, on a, their property. Got a California bromance already. That's fantastic. Yeah, I would tell you his name, but it's still pretty new and special to me. So I don't want anyone else to know. <laughs> well so far my week has been pretty good um i had my big a event of the year um about a week ago the beaver dam new light challenge 22 miles of single track 11 miles of road and it was awesome it was really hard it was really hot and uh hit all my goals so yeah things are good there um yeah so uh Tomorrow, if you are one of the Dirt Team members or not, we are starting our Epic KOM Challenge where we're going to be racing up the Epic KOM, recording your time, spending the month of October getting fitter, and then we're going to come back and do it again on uh, Tuesday, October 29th to get a retest time. So if you want to join us, please do. That should be a lot of fun. But only but only if you're in the Eastern time zone, correct? Yeah, there are people that are pretty upset about us only having a 5.30 a.m. Eastern time to say zone. So we, I meant to say that a lot meaner, but it came off too nice. Um, well, we created a spreadsheet so you can do it on your own, put your time into the spreadsheet, and still participate. So we've got to work around there. What time are you going for? I don't know. I, I'm thinking around, around the 20-minute mark. It's going to be different because drafting is going to be turned off. So right. that's going to have an effect. Every other time I've done it, we, it was like in a race. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It should Are be you guys fun. using the same bike too, the same frame? Ooh. See, this is so what it needs to be in how serious you got here. here. Since we're not doing any sort of prize for the best, this is more like a, a individual effort, but we're doing them together. So gotcha. I'm just going to keep my Tron bike, I believe, and retest on the Tron bike. Right. Yeah, I think as it's, long as you use the same so, so frame, cheating is what you're saying. You're cheating. Cheating. Hey, I earned that bike. <laughs> well, the Tron bike is actually not going to be the fastest. It's going to be... Um, That's true. You want a climber's bike. Really helium. Really helium, I think, with the lightweight Melenstein. That's probably mm. going to be the quickest. The so what zero bike? aerodynamics. I think it's. I think the Ridley Helium is in Swift. Okay. I can't remember, but it's. I can't remember. What the, I think it's a Ridley. I think it's a Helium. Yeah, but it's whatever bike is super super light. Because you, really, obviously, if you're climbing, you want a light bike. You don't want an aerodynamic one. So right. like the Tron bike's the best of all worlds, but there's there's faster bikes on that are just aerodynamically better, and there's also faster bikes that are climbing. 
I love when people say the phrase, I earned the Tron bike, because in my mind, I just see their wives shaking their heads going, I miss my husband. <laughs> <laughs> like, my favorite posts ever on Zwift Riders, the Facebook group, is when people complete the Everest challenge, but they're only at a, like whatever, 10%. Like, oh, I got to the top of the mountain. Where's the Tron bike? And they have no idea that it's I another know. million plus elevation more. <laughs> Yeah, I had to have that conversation with a buddy. He was so excited. He's like, hey, I've climbed 36,000 feet. I'm going to get the Tron bike. Nope. Yep. Keep going. (laughs) Yep. Keep going for another six months. I gave up on that a long time ago. Um, Just because, especially because, again, I'm not trying to say anything bad, but since I use Trainer Road a lot as well with Zwift, um, it's not as conducive for going for the Tron bike. It, just it totally hurt. is. No, 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 no. I'm going to disagree with am you. I, That's how you get the Tron bike. Yeah. So in other words, make sure you're si- signed up for the concept bike challenge. Okay. And then when you do all of your trainer road workouts, make sure you're doing them up one of the big climbs or out to Zwift and you'll just rack up tons and tons of uh, points. Make sure you save your ride at the end of your Zwift session. And if you end up getting both your Zwift and your trainer road rides populating the Strava, just delete one of them. That's it. There you go. Well, so I've so now I feel like I've not been cheating and I've been wasting a ton of time. So that's that's better somehow. Cool. Well, you've got all winter to get that bike. I don't. I don't have all winter. That's the, that's what I was talking about. I don't have winter anymore. It's like oh, well, good for you. Five degrees all the time. I know I'm complaining. This is a really weird. Complain. Um, but I'm st- I'm still on I'm still going to be on on uh, on Zwift because I have cool. I have a daughter anyway. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's talk about our. Uh, we got a couple of topics today. One is heart rate variability. What is it? How does it work? And is it a helpful tool for a cyclist? And topic two is exercise options for family vacations when you don't have your bike. So I'm going to turn this over to Shane to start talking about exactly what heart rate variability is for those of you that are. Just hearing about this for the first time, you may have heard of a de- device called Whoop, which is really popular. That is probably the biggest um, heart rate variability monitoring app out there right now. Shane, would you say that? Yep. Shane, would you say that's where it is? Uh, for, in terms of Whoop being the the biggest market share? No, I'm just um, that was a, maybe a worse joke than the one we started out with, and I'm really sad that I'm the only one. Oh. <laughs> Oh, like whoop! There it is. Yeah, although to wow. be fair, I think it's whoop. <laughs> you're way, you're way ahead of me. I know. I think it's, no, it's it's whoop. There it is. <laughs> okay, hey, that was that was the song my daughter was born to. That's a different that's a different uh, conversation and podcast about playlists. Wait, you guys are in the hospital. The- whoop! There it is. Was on. Anyway, I made a playlist about you know things coming out of other things. Baby, push it. Um, <laughs> And my daughter was God, you're weird, man. I know it was strange, but all the nurses were dancing. She was born to womp. There it is. Anyway, moving on. So back oh, she's probably conceived God, to it too. So it's the only song we play in this house. It's the only song we play. <laughs> that and Chumba Womp. Uh, Those are the only two songs we play. Anyway, tub so, thumping. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, variable heart rate, Shane. Anyways, yeah. So HRV. So heart rate variability is also called HRV. You might hear that or see that in. Um, hear it or see it in literature, but it's essentially the variation of time between each heartbeat and the variation of each heartbeat is controlled by the autonomic nervous system. So the autonomic nervous system or the ANS is something that you don't really have control over. 
and you divide the ANS into sympathetic and also parasympathetic nervous systems. So you might have heard fight or flight response. That is the sympathetic nervous system. And then you also may have heard of rest and digest, which is the parasympathetic nervous system. So far, so good. I'm, so far, I'm, so good. But I guess the question is, is you were saying it's the, the time between heartbeats. So this differs right. from heart rate. So can you explain the difference between right. heart rate variability and heart rate? Yeah. So heart rate um, is, you know, beats per minute. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put something in the show notes, which is a PQRST wave. So a PQRST wave is what you get oh, for an ECG or an, an electrocardiogram. So the differences in the R wave is what the heart rate variability is. So they measure that in milliseconds. Okay. So R wave to R wave is what your HRV is versus a pulse rate is just, you know, when, when your vein throbs, that's one beat, two beats, three beats. Okay. Now that so, makes sense. Okay. <clears throat> so, and I'd like you to throw in a qualifier that none of us are medical professionals and please do not use this for anything real in life that may or may not save your life. Right. Yeah. Yep. Disclaimer, not doctors, um, not doctors. Right. So high HRV is good. And that means your parasympathetic nervous system is turned on or not turned on, but turned up relative to the sympathetic, which means you have less heartbeats per minute or per second, or it might be. And that means you have a wider space between R waves and then vice versa. A low HRV is sometimes called a bad thing. And that means your sympathetic nervous system is turned up or you're just more stressed than usual, which means the R wave is going to be more narrow between beats. <clears throat> All that being true, I'm, I, I suppose the next question is, is, is learning how to increase the essentially healthy R wave distance, something that can help my training. And if that's true, how do I do that? What's, what's the, right. what's the effect on my time in my garage here? So, well, before we do that, let's talk about the measurement. So we talked about Whoop already. So Whoop uses an optical sensor to measure, or you measure HRV. So the ECG or the electrocardiogram is six or 12 leads, and that's the gold standard to measure HRV. Obviously, that's very expensive. You have to have medical training to know how to use it. So if you're trying to see the distances between R waves on a PQRST waveform and you're using an optical sensor, I don't believe it's accurate enough to actually give you a true accurate HRV number, which is where the scrutiny still is with these companies is they may give you data, but is that data actually accurate and reliable enough for you to make decisions based off of. So there, what you're saying is no. there's some, there's some lower market alternatives to this that people could try to do themselves, but it's not necessarily helpful data to actually make life decisions on. Right. I think it's helpful data to recognize patterns and to change behaviors, but I don't think it's at the point yet to base your entire training block or all your training stress off of. So as, as an example, like if you go to bed late or you drink alcohol or whatever, you're going to usually see a lower HRV or you'll see those R waves become closer together, which is a bad sign. And then vice versa, meditation or, you know, taking a walk in a park or, you know, something that makes you feel good and less stress. 
that's going to result in your HRV being higher, or again, those R waves being more spaced apart. The problem is when you're training, you are inducing stress onto your body because that stress is what causes the overload stimulus to occur. And then hopefully that adaptation to occur when you're allowed to rest. So if you're causing stress to the organism, or you're causing stress to your body, that's going to lower your HRV. The problem is if you keep on measuring HRV and you're measuring HRV inaccurately, at least in my opinion, with an optical sensor, you're never going to truly cause enough of an overload to create that actual stimulus to adapt your body to it. So you're going to get into the point where you're almost plateaued because whenever you see you have a low HRV, you won't train. And then vice versa, if you have high HRV, you'll train. So I don't think it's a good way to kind of base all your training off of. Later on in the podcast, you'll hear an interview that we did with indoor specialist pro Jan Gravdal, and he was saying that he uses heart rate variability, but even if he's showing a high HRV score, which is indicating he should get some rest, if he's doing a training block, he uh, pushes forward with his training anyway, even though it's saying technically he shouldn't be. Uh, so I found, found that that was an interesting um, use of how he uses the device. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a helpful perspective, Ken, because where I, after I was reading all this research that Shane posted on Slack and we're going through it, my thought is, how does this actually help me make decisions? Because it seems kind of like a black hole. You know, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm really hyper-focused on potentially inaccurate HRV data, then I'm going to say, well, maybe I shouldn't have this glass of wine when my friends are over because I got to wake up and get on the trainer. But if there's like a possibility of looking at, okay, what's my heart rate? What's my watt outputage? And then, of course, just like the relative perceived effort, how do I feel? It seems like there's maybe some more variability in there. So I, I don't have to hyper-focus unless I'm, you know, really going at it with professional coach and trainer like Shane. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Yeah, and even then still, I mean, I think HRV is good if you have access to an ECG. But if you're using it to base training off of, I just honestly wouldn't use it to base your training off of. Use it to base off of patterns. Like, you know, if you notice that your HIV is lower and you feel like you're getting a sore throat, maybe back off at that point because you might be getting sick. Or if you have an issue with going to bed late or whatever, use that to go to bed earlier or meditate more, you know, just take care of yourself more um, to change your behaviors. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> to put this in a nutshell, like my point here was the accuracy of what's out there right now is okay but it's not great because again it uses an optical sensor as opposed to a six or 12 lead ecg and then i'll link the two different examples in the show notes and if you're basing training off of hrv you're never going to create enough of a stress to overload your body and create that stimulus you need to adapt to it so you need to have some stress to become fit and more resilient and i equate it to building a callus. You know, the more you do something, the harder that skin is going to get. And the same thing with your training, the more you train and the more you overload, the better resiliency you're going to have and the fitter you're going to become. Well, cool. I think that's some, some good information, especially as uh, these companies that are coming out there uh, maybe are promising a lot, but just go into it with a little bit of skepticism. And now we're going to move on to topic two, which is exercise options for family vacations when you don't have your bike. As we get into this, I want to share a little bit of an anecdote. Um, one of our, our founder, Jason Stern, uh, he was a college runner 
And during his vacation, he had not been running and he ran about 40 miles that week. From all his cycling fitness, he, he could easily carry that, but he also uh, had injured himself, uh, his hip or, you know, his, his leg muscles, something got tweaked. So this is something that cyclists need to be really careful about as they can push really hard, but it might not necessarily be a good idea. Well, and I know Shane's going to immediately say, stop running. Um, cause <laughs> he and I had this whole text conversation a few weeks ago when my wife and I were visiting my family and I was, I texted him and was like, look, man, I went for a run. And he was like, stop it. Don't run. If you want to be purely a cyclist, if you want to, I think your exact phrase was like, if you want to have sport specific fitness, right. You said running is both physically and metabolically very, very tough on a cyclist's body. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I would never say never run to anybody, <clears throat> but if you're training for a specific events or you're very close to the event is then changing your training drastically and especially doing like a 40 mile week when you haven't ran in months and months probably isn't the best idea just because a, it's going to make you crazy sore because of those eccentric loads to your muscles that running exhibits on them. So I don't think it's just the best use of the time if you have an event very soon, but for the off season or, you know, kind of the preparation season, I think it's great. I felt so terrible the next day. I mean, I ran, right. I felt fit. <laughs> I was making jokes. My wife was not, not laughing at my jokes and we don't uh, laugh at your jokes either. That's fair. Uh, that's fair. So we're basically married. So the the next day I got up and I was just like, oh God, I can't move. But I used to I used to compete triathlons. Like I used to run all the time. Yeah. If uh, you run all the time, you can run all the time. But yeah, if you cycle yeah. all the time, you can't run for beans. And then like you said, you're going to have one great day and then have five days of lost training because of soreness. So right. That's the well, so here's, here's how, here's how I'd answer that question. Like with less, uh, joking. So, uh, you know, vacations for me are probably less the topic as much as traveling for work. Um, my, we haven't been on a vacation in probably a year or so just with moving and life stage and, and things like that. But I do travel for work quite a bit. And so when I'm, when I'm traveling, clearly I'm not bringing the bike and kind of the two things that I do. I'm um, not saying this is the thing to do, but it's, well, it's three things I do. Um, but this is what I do. Uh, I walk as much as I can. A lot of times when I travel, I'm going to bigger cities. So I avoid taking Ubers or taxis. I walk as much as I can. I take the stairs as much as I can. So if my hotel room's on the 10th floor, um, I try to like take the stairs most of the time up and down. And then I try to get like, get, and it also helps with just life rhythms. Like get up in the morning, I'll go to the gym at the hotel or a park or something nearby. And I'll try to do just some sort of conditioning workout that isn't super taxing, um, but something just to kind of get my heart rate up um, and kind of get endorphins going and make me feel um, like I actually did something. So yeah, I might, I might not be able to be on the bike, but I kind of try to take those seasons, even if it's just a three-day trip or a five-day trip, similar to a vacation as an opportunity to rest my legs, rest my back and work on a little bit of core strength. So that's what I do. Um, I don't know that it's been wildly successful, but it definitely hasn't hurt me. So what's your advice, Shane? I guess it depends on where the athlete is in terms of their season. So if the athlete is at the end of their season and they need a mental break, then I'll give them, you know, like we talked last week, kind of those no Garmin, no rules kind of rides or athlete choice rides where I'll say, you know what, enjoy the week, do what you want to do. And then talk to me when you get back. 
and then vice versa, if they're having a vacation when they're, you know, two months or so out from their target event, then I'll probably have them bring their bike and their trainer and then kind of business as usual, depending again on how mentally fresh they are or burnt out they are. So it kind of depends on a few things, what I require, not, not require, but what I have them do. And the biggest thing for me is just mentally how they feel and then physically what they need to do to get themselves ready for their event. So that's that makes sense. So politician response, but <laughs> well, here, here's one thing that that's what I want to know. What do you do when you travel? I don't take a vacation much, um, at least not the past five years. <laughs> so it's right, so a step one. Step one, yeah, would be take vacation. But I think it's the same thing. If, if before, like if I was training for something, then I would bring my bike and my trainer and just, you know, be business, business as usual. Um, or pick a location that has decent infrastructure for bike for, for uh, cycling. And then vice versa, if I just needed time just to relax and chill out, then I'll leave my bike at home and just go for a walk or a hike or something like that. Typically not, not a lot of impacts because the stuff we talked about before, just because if you do impact and you'll be sore for days afterwards. Um, yeah. So kind of hiking or just enjoying it, swimming, kayaking, whatever you want to do more of a mental refresher than anything else. So one thing that you had talked about is the importance of planning out your year. And usually these vacations, things are not off the cuff. Uh, they're, they're planned out months in advance. So, what I do is I tried to really load up my training stress the week before, um, go a little bit deeper into fatigue. And then I still usually get to take my bike down to the beach, but I mean, my focus is on my family. And that's one thing right. that I think is really, really important to point out is like, you know, let it go and be there with your kids splashing around at the beach um, take your wife on a date, drink an extra glass of wine, eat some extra hot dogs and go and have fun, you know, and um, uh, you can load up a little bit before, maybe have a little harder week when you get back and just make sure that um, you're getting out of your vacation what you need to get out of it. Because one thing that I've seen on our uh, dirt social media pages is these guys almost not panicking, but getting stressed out about going on vacation and losing gains. And from our previous podcast, what you pointed out is you really don't lose very much fitness in one week. No. And like you so, said, if, if you need the mental break, then that's more important than keeping physically to the plan. So I think that that is um, really good advice for you guys out there and ladies that are um, looking to go on a vacation. Don't panic. You're not going to your fitness isn't going to tank tank. You might come back a little bit stronger. If you come back a few pounds heavier, just dial it in when you get home and, well, and have fun. You will to burn on your next ride. There you go. It gives you like Joe Rogan would point out. It gives him a project to work on when he gets back. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think it's good. Yeah. No, I, I agree with all that. Plus there's like, I mean, and this is getting into like family ethos questions, but um, I mean, my, my family, when we vacation, we really enjoy active vacations. So like my wife and I on our honeymoon, we went hiking. Uh, we did, we went to a bunch of places we could go hiking and pretty much every one of our vacations is going somewhere remote and beautiful where we can, uh, kind of be active. And you've never seen someone so tough and impressive as like a six month pregnant woman hiking up to a fire wash tower. So like that, 
we we've done some really fun um, weeks here and there around the U.S. where um, we actually came back feeling like mentally refreshed. And my wife, I've mentioned on previous podcasts, runs marathons, so she's always kind of on a training plan too. And man, just spending a week doing something different, um, it kind of made us our bodies feel rested and our minds feel rested, and we had fun and we kind of came back and and started even feeling better on the run and on the bike. So that's awesome. I think the mental aspect is is huge. So plus now knowing I've got two weeks to just be lazy before I start losing fitness is huge. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's how I heard that podcast, by the way. Oh, I've got two weeks to be lazy. Perfect. Yeah. Just train one week on two weeks That's off it. and you'll keep building Making gains and make sure you, yeah. Make sure you keep track of your whoop score. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Shane, that's, Shane, that's, Shane, that's going to be your book. That's going to be your four hour work week thing. You know, one out of three can be the book title one week on right. two weeks off. And that's, that's how right. you train. That's your, that's your, that's how you get famous. You have to do something crazy epic every day of that week, but that could, you, you could probably do it at some point. Yeah. Hey, interesting. Talking about that as we're segueing, um, have either of you watched the 50 Iron Man and 50 days thing on Netflix? I have not. That sounds stupid. Yeah. Okay, great. So we, we, uh, I'm going to reserve my, um, narcissistic and cynical commentary on it, but you should both watch it. And everyone listening should both watch it, both watch it. Both two people listening to this podcast, both of you guys should watch, should watch it. And we should talk about it next podcast. Okay. All right. That sounds good. So we, we've got a homework assignment, everybody. And I get a pro cut of proceeds now if our huge audience <laughs> goes and listens to this, but anyway, Ten sure. all right. So. I want to take a minute to introduce our guest. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about this guy. I'm slaughtering his name. Uh, his name is Jan Gravdal, and he is one of the uh, the racers on our indoor specialist race roster. If you don't know who indoor specialist is, uh, the current U.S. national chan champion, Holden Camus, that is the team that he races on, and uh, there's a, a bunch of fantastic riders. Well, I reached out to Joan, and he is a high-level Zwift racer, as I mentioned, and he recently started incorporating HRV training as an extra tool into his training toolkit. While not completely dependent on it, he, it was interested, uh, interesting to hear how he uses HRV score along with his physical sensations to make training decisions. So enjoy the interview, and here we go. John, thanks for uh, joining us today on the Never Going Pro podcast. So I understand that you are on the indoor specialist race team. Um, perhaps you could start with a better uh, introduction of yourself, uh, your first and last name, and how you got linked up with um, indoor specialist. Yeah, thanks. Uh, glad to be here. Um, I, uh, my name is Jon Gravdal, uh, and uh, Norway, Bergen. Uh, yeah, uh, it started a long time ago. It was just a coincidence. Uh, me, uh, I was racing for a team called PTC, and uh, we were racing the uh, CBR World Cup uh, League. And uh, one morning, uh, we uh, did a race in London, and uh, and. We were two teammates up front, uh, and a third one who uh, was outnumbered, but was uh, really, really uh, persistent and uh, strong. Uh, it turns out uh, his name was uh, Matt uh, Gardner, 
things maybe three years ago or something. And, uh, okay. Yeah, so we won. Uh, me and my teammate went uh, one two on him, uh, and he, <laughs> yeah, he was uh, outnumbered. So, but uh, after that race, uh, it was uh, he was uh, uh, he wasn't on a team, but uh, I uh, sent him a message and we started chatting and we got uh, got to be friends. But we were uh, were uh, never on the same team. But uh, we started like uh, 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 cooperating uh, in the CBR uh, World Cup League, and uh, first uh, season it, it turned out I we both had a shot for, uh, at winning our uh, time zone, uh, but I couldn't go to the final, and uh, it was really tight between me and Matt and uh, some of the guys I remember. But uh, we decided anyway that we were go going to be a team, uh, even though we weren't teammates. So that's kind of how our relationship started. And uh, yeah, me and Matt have been chatting, talking for a long time. Uh, and uh, so it turned out that I, I got to be a domestic for him. So he, he got okay. to join uh, the CBR World Cup live event in LA. And then uh, it turned out like a magic that I got to go to the uh, event in Vancouver afterwards, and he was uh, kind of helping me out. And then I got in contact uh, with uh, Greg Leo and the draft guys. Uh, so I joined the uh, draft uh, together with Matt. Uh, and it was like uh, we were thinking of starting our own team, but as long as we we're on the same team. It was okay. Okay. So we're happy uh, riding at the draft, and then uh, I was uh, kind of yeah. A lot of things have happened in my life last year, so I, I got kind of a bit distant uh, from quick racing period, and uh, and uh, when the professionalist uh, team started. Merging, uh, Matt said that he needed <laughs> to join, and so it was like we went from uh, draft team to uh, indoor specialist. Yeah, so. fantastic. Um, and so you know, we we love the indoor specialist guys. Like they're sort of uh, we're all linked up. Uh, dads inside riding trainers and indoor specialists, more or less being the the professional end of the pointy end of things with Zwift racing. But I understand you are in also a dad inside riding a trainer. So you've got a couple of kids yourself. Yeah, I got uh, two girls, uh, 10 and six years old. Uh, so the oldest one, uh, her name is Aula, and the youngest one just started school now. She's sick. Wow. Uh, still, but so, uh, yeah, it's a bit, a bit of a change now in my life as well because now both go to school and the youngest one have shorter days uh, now. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's, a, that's always uh, things are changing every day, so you have to kind of adjust the uh, training and everything around the family. 
Yeah. Sure. Well, that sort of brings me to why I invited you to join us on the podcast today. Um, one of the topics of the week that we're talking about is uh, something that's pretty new in the cycling training and endurance training world and, and really the fitness world at large is heart rate variability training. So I imagine, you know, you've been a, a high level cyclist for quite a few years and you're trying to balance um, family, work and riding your bike. How did you first hear about heart rate variability training and what platform do you use for tracking it? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of like uh, always on the lookout for, uh, I listen to a lot of uh, podcasts and I love like training, uh, like studies and papers and uh, everything around training, all the theory. And, uh, I really like to read and listen to everything about it. So uh, uh, I think it was not sure which uh, podcast but some podcast they mentioned it and then i i started searching around for more information and i ended up uh, uh with uh, the uh, elite uh, hrv uh, the page they have a lot of like the webinars and uh, information and they have a free app okay and they, they have been kind of like i'm not sure but i understand it like they have been uh, at the forefront for pushing this out more like uh, call it uh, to the masses and speaking about the, a lot of different ways to use HRV uh, I was uh, of course most interested in relation to uh, training okay. uh, uh, so I, I figured that I had to try it but then I stumbled upon a couple of uh, Challenges because uh, it's not all uh, heart rate monitors that can be used, uh, etc. So uh, I I got a new heart rate monitor and I, I thought I'd give it a shot and uh, I kind of like tried to get all the information I could for podcasts and uh, the, the information HRV uh, the elite uh, HRV guys have on the page and YouTube and stuff. So I just really uh, yeah, went into it and to see if there was something. To gain. Sure. Now, so yeah. have have you discovered when um, you are feeling run down that is, is ref that the heart rate variability score is predictive of when you're going to be overtired or predictive of when you will be performing well? Yeah, I I'm, I haven't kind of like okay, I I use it more like additional information to how I feel or maybe uh, to see if uh, there's something uh, unexpected uh, going on or something but it's like um, I don't know how to say but uh, my life has been pretty hard last year I lost my, lost my sister uh, early this spring mm, um it's been yeah, I'm sorry time. to hear that. Yeah. She had a brain tumor, so, so it's a, it was like uh, I, I wasn't uh, my body's feedback uh, wasn't like it used to be, and I was really run down, and it, it was a lot of uh, external stress and 
So I, th I think basically what it, what it boils uh, down to is that you have to kind of like uh, establish uh, uh, something like, if I call it like a, a true uh, baseline. Because if you start HRV training uh, when you're uh, at the end of a hard training uh, block, for instance, I think uh, that will kind of, if, if that is your baseline, everything will be uh, screwed uh, or skewed. Uh, oh, okay. That does make sense, right? You're, you're, you're starting in a place where maybe it recognizes, um, uh, it may think that you're in a recovered state when actually you're highly fatigued. Yeah, or, 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 or yeah, it's like a, your uh, uh, parasympathetic uh, nervous system is really uh, right. activated uh, when you're uh, hard training blocks. If you start recording HIV, then I think that will kind of uh, create mm. a baseline. Uh, and when you recover, uh, it takes some time for it to adjust. So I think. Uh, if you're starting with it, I think it's best to start when you you feel kind of like uh, okay. normal. And uh, uh, so I think that that's kind of what happened to me in this period, that everything was just, nothing was normal. And, and I kind of used it, but I, I didn't kind of apply always the information. But... but uh, uh, some periods uh, it seemed to like correlate uh, more with how I felt, but uh, what I uh, maybe I can say how I how I use the information because it's like uh, when you're training, usually you have like uh, three weeks of loading, uh, increasing uh, training load, and then you have a, a rest week, so. It's kind of like your HIV uh, will go down, so it's kind of like it's planned. So then, then I would typically uh, ignore it because I know that okay, I have only two days uh, left of hard training, so uh, I will have uh, one rest week, and then it kind of you kind of get a uh, gotcha. So you're not necessarily you're still following your training program. Even if the, the if, even if the app, the HRV app, um, is telling you it's time to rest, if you find you can still hit your numbers during your training, you'll just go ahead and push through for the last few days. Yeah, because it, it's uh, it's expected that you you it, it will be harder uh, third week uh, if you're like ramping up uh, the training load and then uh, prepare to take a rest week. Then things uh, usually are harder to achieve, and it's like you do uh, <coughs> you plan training around this. Uh, what do you call it? The, the uh, kind of like a compensation. Okay, okay, gotcha. That you slow, then and you recover, and then you start a new uh, block, uh, a bit stronger. Uh, but uh, it's like uh, there are like. Uh, so, so those are kind of like predicted. You know that, uh, but I, but I can see that uh, if I did a really hard uh, workout uh, Tuesday, then my HRV uh, is uh, score is low on Wednesday, and my uh, resting heart rate also is, is higher 
Uh, so it's it's like it's almost like using uh, resting heart rate in the morning, but you get kind of like additional right round round the clock information. So, um, well, uh, no, I I just I just use it uh, like a morning okay. uh, reading, uh, and it and it gives me a score. So what I typically typically will do is 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 that if I know uh, kind of the reason, it's like. Uh, if I had a bad night's sleep or a previous day was really exhausting, then I know uh, kind of, okay, this score is low, uh, but it's because of uh, yesterday. So maybe I would just push through the training anyway, because I know that uh, this is uh, that's the reason. But maybe if, if it gives me a really low score or something, uh, some unexpected uh, result of the reading uh, uh, then I, I will think through uh, it, it, it's it kind of likes uh, gives you a reminder that uh, something okay. felt you, you need yeah, rest that, that... and if you don't have a good, if I don't have a good reason uh, for why it, it, I get that uh, reading that morning then I, I will typically uh, jump on the bike I will uh, consider if today is a good day to go hard, or so. So I kind of use the information to uh, back up uh, my decision in a way, but uh, but it doesn't judge. It, it's not like okay, today is uh, four, which is like a low score, and, uh, and then I decide to okay, I go easy. Yeah, I do. Uh, you know I do. What I mean? Well, I, I definitely appreciate you sharing your insight, um, and uh, and I hope that our audience can get something out of that. And so, what we're just to sort of summarize uh, what I'm hearing is it is a great additional tool. It doesn't necessarily dictate how you are going to train on any particular day, uh, but it also is just one more uh, tool in your arsenal to maximize your training, especially as a time crunched athlete. Yeah, and and the most uh, I think maybe the most interesting thing about it is that it kind of defines uh, uh, if your uh, sympathetic or parasympathetic okay. uh, nervous system is activated, and I think that that has made an impact on how I I plan my day because I may try to uh, 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 do some training, uh, but for instance, uh, you get like uh, indication that your parasympathetic uh, system is really activated. Then there's also a lot of uh, techniques you can use to activate, uh, kind of uh, to recover. So maybe if you take a walk, uh, just breathing uh, methods, uh, and maybe napping, sleeping. So you can use kind of additional uh, uh, exercises if you call it that to enhance uh, recovery when you need it so there's a lot, really a lot of information well thank you very much for sharing that and we're gonna uh, go ahead and get back to uh, the podcast here uh, John, thank you for joining us today, and we hope you have a great weekend. And uh, if you haven't joined any of the live streams for Indoor Specialists, check them out. It's great fun watching Swift Racing with these guys.
right on and have a great day, John. Thank you so much for having me. Have a nice week. I hope you enjoyed the interview, and thanks again to Jan Gravdal for taking the time to be on NPR. Shit. NPR? <laughs> yeah. Now we're at NPR. This is good. This is, this is the closing that should be on. Right. Three, two, one, and... I hope you enjoyed the interview, and thanks again to Jan Gravdal for taking the time to be on Never Going Pro. Chris and Shane, thanks again, and great catching up with you as well. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Never Going Pro. Ride on, and I will see you in Watopia.